When you think about the day he comes back. <laughs> you know, 2020 is an amazing thought of new beginnings, but one day Jesus is coming back. And beginnings are really going to be seen for what they are. I don't know what it'll be like. I know what the Bible says. But I can't wait to see Jesus. Someone posted on Facebook a painting. I think it was Amelia posted it. Um, it was called first, first Day in Heaven or First Moments in Heaven. I don't remember what it is. But it's a painting of who's supposed to be Jesus. We don't obviously know what he looks like, but that's who it's supposed to represent. And there's a young woman who I don't know how old she actually was, but in the picture she seems young leaped into Jesus' arms with her arms wrapped around his neck and hanging on him with the most joyous expression on her face. Just pure, unadulterated joy at the thought that everything else that heaven may represent can't compare to the fact that Jesus is there. Well, praise the name of the Lord our God. Amen? Amen? And that Lord, that Savior, that Jesus, who was born and we celebrated at Christmas, who lived the perfect life, who was crucified upon a cross, who was laid in a borrowed tomb, who three days later was alive. That's the Jesus that we serve. And I just am so amazed by that thought. And I'm amazed that God would, would even choose us to serve Him. I mean, you think about some of the majestic parts of creation. We know that all creation declares His praises. The Bible is very clear about that. But to think that God would choose us, knowing what we know to be true about us, is just an amazing thought. I mean, we know what we've done. You know what you've done. And I'm sure that none of us want a blow-by-blow account here this morning of each other. And yet God chose us. So much so that when Jesus came to earth, one of the things that just jumped out at me in the Scriptures as I prepared for this new year was how intently Jesus conducted himself on earth with one thing in mind. And that was the redemption of mankind. Now, I have a lot of things I enjoy. I like football. Y'all know that. And specifically, I like LSU football. I know, that's a shock, I know. And I don't know that Jesus had any, would have anything against me watching football. But I do know that my priority in this life shouldn't be football. It should be Jesus. And I sure wish that I had the ability on my own to be as laser-focused on the task that God's given me as Jesus did on the task God had given him. And I don't have that on my own. Matthew, it, it's something I'd love to have, but I don't have it on my own. But I don't have to have it on my own because I have the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives within me 
to continually remind me. And so if you want to pray for me about something this year, yes, I, I've had a lot of problems going on with my neck and I don't feel good with all that. Please pray for that. But if you really want something to pray for me this year, pray for me that I will be crystal clear and that I will serve Christ with all that I am and I will allow nothing to compete for my affections but Him. As I was studying for this year, one of the things that I did is I read through the Gospels numerous times. And I paid specific attention to what we know as the red letters. Okay. And you know what I mean by that. In the Scriptures, there are passages where Jesus' words were recorded to the best of the abilities of the authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so, because we know that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, the message that God intended to communicate is there. And as I paid specific attention to the, the words of Jesus in the red letters, one of the things that I saw so clearly was Jesus was singularly focused on fulfilling that which God had given him to do. He had a clarity of purpose and a vision and of intention, and everything he did was for a reason. And that's my desire for me, and it's my desire for us this year. And so, as I went through and I read these scriptures and I paid close attention to the red letters, I began constructing my sermon calendar. You all know that I plan out a sermon calendar, try to do a whole year in advance. And as I was planning that out, I realized very early on that almost every single message I was preparing for came right from the red letters. And so I guess this year is going to be focused on what did Jesus say. And I guess if you really want to be clear about who we're to be, we probably ought to focus on what Jesus said, right? And so that's our goal in this year is to, to clearly focus in on what Christ has said and to let that be our guide. Now, that's not to in any way discount the rest of Scripture. Please don't misunderstand me. And there'll be sermons that we will have from other parts of Scripture but we're going to focus this year on what did Jesus say and how do we walk forward. Because, you know, the whole thing, what would Jesus do, is impossible to understand if you don't know what Jesus did. And what would, we, what would Jesus say in a scenario is pretty hard to figure out unless you know what he said. And so we're going to focus on that. And we're going to start this morning in the book of Mark, chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Mark, chapter 1. And by the way, Mark, this wasn't named after you. But God did write it with you in mind and all the rest of us in mind for all of us to hear. Mark chapter 1, the story is one that's fairly familiar to us. It's a story of Jesus' call on some of his disciples. Now, I've entitled this message, Know the Roles. And probably the easiest way to get in trouble in life is to step outside of your role. Whether it's at work, or in the home, or in the church, or in your spiritual life. It's to try and be something that you were not intended to be. To try and take someone's position that was not supposed to be yours. And so I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, as we read this passage. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word?
Mark 1, beginning in verse 16. And as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they went away to follow him. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach, and they were amazed at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Then, just, just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. When Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit came out of him with a loud voice, or cried out with a loud voice, and came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news went about him, and the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding districts of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, and I thank you for the challenge that you brought to my heart. And I pray now that you would help me to communicate to these people, your people, your word and your challenge to them, that we may walk in clarity and perform the duties that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Really cool, Brother Jim and Miss Carrie Welk about to head to Israel. And y'all leave when? When do y'all leave for your trip? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. And when they get there, one of the places that I hope that they get to see is Capernaum, which is where this story takes place. Capernaum is the home of Peter. There's actually a church built over the top of Peter's home, what they believe is Peter's home now. And Capernaum sits right on the Sea of Galilee. It's an amazing sight. Just absolutely mind-boggling to think that um, that's where this would have taken place. And as I was reading this, Miss Jerry, all I could think about were those, those stone buildings. How crowded the streets would have been. How loud things would have been. So they get there, and Jesus is walking along on the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon and Andrew, his brother, and they're casting their net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. So this morning I want to talk about the roles that we see in this story. I I really wish Randy and Carol Bennett had been here this morning. You may not know this about Randy, but Randy was a theater buff in in high school and college. He loves theater. And, And so I kind of, as I was putting this together, I thought, man, I hope Randy's here because he would really identify with this. But the first role in this story is the role of the director. And in any good play or any good movie, you need someone who's in charge. You need a director. You need someone who's out there laying out the vision that the, the people should follow and, and that the ones who are working in it should, should try and do. And so you want to communicate as the director what's in your head into the lives of the people that are in the cast so that they can communicate the story to all those who are watching. And in this story, the director is very clearly 
Jesus. And that's your first point on your listening guide there. The director is Jesus. Now, I want to be very careful here. It is so easy for you and I to try and become the directors. It is very easy, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of other people, but especially in our own lives. We think that we can come up with a plan that we'll follow. And so how many of you, well, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm sure many of you came into the new year with New Year's resolutions. And today is January 5th, and if you had New Year's resolutions, there's a good chance you've already broken some of them. We're not even a week in. But we come in with these plans and these ideas and these thoughts, and we're going to come up with a plan of how we're going to attack this life, and we're going to attack this day, and we're going to attack this week, and we're going to attack this year, and, and we've got it all worked out in our minds. There's a way that seems right unto man, and the end thereof is death and destruction. It's not God's will. And so we have to understand in all of the interactions that we have as believers with Christ and as servants of Christ that Jesus is in charge. Now that should go without saying, but I've been in church long enough and I've been a believer long enough to know that's not always the way it works. Many, many, many times we're more focused on what we want and what we believe than on what Jesus has said and what Jesus is doing. And so the director is Jesus. So what does the director do in the life of the, of the cast, in the life of those who are involved in the production? What is the director's job specifically? Well, actually, you see Jesus gives some clues to that there in verse 17. The first thing he says is, follow me. So the director provides guidance. He says, this is what you should do, and this is what you shouldn't do. Now, how do we know what the, this is what we should, and this is what we shouldn't do? It's his word. He's given it to us very clearly. There are things in his word that the Bible are very, very clear about that should be parts of our lives and should not be parts of our lives. And so we must study his word. We must spend time in his word so that we can understand what it is that he asks of us. And we must realize that as Jesus leads, we have a responsibility to follow. Now, we talked about that very briefly this morning in Sunday school. As the nation of Israel wandered through the desert for 40 years, God was always out front. Henry Blackaby taught us, we look for where God is working, and we do what? We join him there. And so in God's play of life, in the production that God has constructed, in the role that God has given his son Jesus, he provides guidance for us. He leads us. He provides instruction, and, and he helps us to understand how to behave and how to do things in ways that honor him. And so, if you're struggling in life and you're wondering, I can't figure out what God's will is in this moment, go to His Word, don't go to someone else. Dig deep in the Word of God. There are principles there. Now, let me tell you, the Bible does not say, uh, thou shalt buy a red car. It doesn't say that. But the Bible does give us some understanding on ideas like being good stewards of the things that He gives us and how we should possess those things and not allow them to possess us and how we should use the things that he gives us for the glory of him and for the benefit of others the bible doesn't say thou shalt marry this person or thou shalt not marry that person amelia doesn't give you that exact yes no on any individual but i'll tell you what it does give you do not be unequally yoked 
And so we need to understand that God has given us the guidance that we need. And young people in particular, listen to me. There are a lot of questions that you're going to have as you grow up. There's a lot of questions that you're going to have as you enter college. Ethan's just finished his first semester. Good job, man. Ready to start the next one. They just keep coming. And there are going to be a lot of questions that are going to come up. How do I do this? How do I make this decision? How do I weigh what I should do and what I shouldn't do in this? Turn first to Christ. The director of the situation is there to provide the guidance. That is his role. And if you don't listen to the director, chances are you're not going to play your role the way you should. Jesus says, follow me. You, get out of your boat, come and follow me. You, get up from what you're doing and come and follow me. You cannot continue with what you're doing and follow Christ at the same time. You have to be willing to answer his call and to follow him. And following him necessarily means you're no longer in charge. Well, but pastor, don't but pastor me. If anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself. Follow me. He tells them, follow me, secondly, and I will make you. The director demands compliance. When the director is directing the scene in, the, in a movie, in a, in a uh, play, in a commercial, he has something that he wants to see happen, and if it doesn't go the right way, what does he say? Cut! Let's start this over. Back it up. And there are times in our lives when we think we know what we're going to do and we try and go off on our own and we're not listening to the director that God may very well just cut us off at that moment and say, wait a minute, not any further. We've seen that again in Sunday school in the life of Moses. Moses is leading his people. They begin to grumble. They begin to complain. Imagine that. You didn't know Israel was Baptist. They were grumbling, they were complaining, they were fussing about things. And what they began fussing about this particular time was they needed water. Well, that's a legitimate need. They need water. So God told Moses to speak to the rock and water would come forth. Well, he spoke to the rock. What happened? No, he didn't speak to the rock. He didn't listen. And God said, cut. And the whole thing changed. You see, the director demands compliance. And one of the things that true, is true about Jesus is he's not going to change his mind to suit your desires. He's not going to say, oh, you know what, you're right, Miss Ann. <laughs> what was I thinking? We'll do it your way. That's not how God works. God has a purpose and a plan in everything that he's doing. And he demands that we follow him. And if you play with God, the scene's going to cut. Things are going to change. He says to them, come and follow me and I will make you. Now, here's the good part about that. The director also transforms the cast into their roles. When you watch a movie that really touches your heart, There's a lot of scenes in the movie that are just terrible scenes. Let me just say that up front. But Forrest Gump, to me, is one of the most amazing cinematic productions of all time. And here's why. I don't think I could ever watch another movie with Tom Hanks in it and think of him as anything other than Forrest Gump. 
He literally became that character for me. He was transformed into his role. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you into become fishers of men. He said, I will change you. I will transform you. You will no longer be what you've been. You will be what I've created you to be from the beginning. That's the role of the director. Now, warning. You are not the director. Mom and dads, you are not the director. You cannot and I cannot create in my children who God made them to be. Only God can do that. Now, you have a responsibility to teach the truth. You have a responsibility to provide discipline. You have a responsibility to give guidance and direction. But ultimately, only God can transform a heart. And so, I want to take the pressure off of you for a moment. Because sometimes we take it personally and think that somehow it was our fault that our children made the decisions that they make. And yes, we fail. And yes, we've done things wrongly. But teenagers, children, you will give an account to God. You will give an account to God for your choices and for your actions. Parents, you cannot, you cannot make them into who you want them to be. You have to lead them to a God who can transform them into only who He can make them into be. And the director will transform the role you. He will do His job. You don't have to worry about that. So lift them up. There's another set of characters in the play. That's the cast. Well, who's the cast? The cast is us, you and I. In this story, the cast was... Simon and Andrew, and then later on, he saw James and John. And he called them out, and he called them to do something, to come and to follow me. And that's the very first thing that he told them to do, follow. It's a very simple thing to do, follow. We did this in elementary school. One of the very first things they teach you in elementary school is what? How to line up. Single file. Have you ever noticed that none of us ever learned that? Look at any line anywhere. It is never single file. Everybody wants to jostle. And out here, they, at home, we call it cutting. Out here, y'all say crowding. Somebody crowded me. Isn't that what they said? Yeah. No, you're cutting in front of me in line. I'm going to cut you out. Follow. It's a very simple thing, Brother Willie. It's simply following the one that's in front of you. And single file line literally works this way. If you step here, then I'm supposed to step here. If you step here, I'm supposed to step here. And I follow you wherever you go. Is that hard to do? Can you, do you think you could follow me? You think so? How about you? You think you could follow me? I mean, they don't, that's not a challenge, is it? Following Jesus is exactly the same way. But you have to be paying attention to know where to go, Right? And your job as a cast member in God's great play, in God's great effort to production to reach the world, your job as a cast member is simply to follow him. Well, no, that takes a lot of pressure off, Angelia. You know why? Because you don't have to figure it out on your own. 
You don't have to go out there and say, what do I have to do? What do, what do I supposed to do? What do I? No, you simply follow what Jesus has shown us is very clear in scripture. You love people. You love God. You serve him. You honor him. You think about others first after you think about God first. And when you go through that process and you follow him, something amazing happens. Here's these guys. They're fishermen. James and John are obviously from a family of some kind of wealth because they have hired servants in the boat with them. And, and these guys, in their career, with all of the things that are going on, with all of the investments that they've made, with everything that's on the line, they just get up and they go. I'd follow God, but first I've got to finish this stuff I've got to do. Mm -mm. You know your role. Your role is simply to follow the direction of the director. Do what he tells you to do. In order to do that, you've got to do the second thing. You've got to listen. You've got to hear him. And it's very hard to hear him when we allow the world to compete with him. Now, I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. Church adults grandparents if we don't put Christ first our children and grandchildren never will and when you give them the option as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord and I've had parents tell me and if I, this hurts your feelings I'm sorry that it hurt your feelings. I'm not sorry that I'm saying it. But I've had parents tell me, well, you know, we have so many other things going on, we just don't have time to take them to church. How will they hear without a preacher? You've got to listen. And we've got to make sure that we're making an effort to listen. And that means exposing ourselves to the truth. That means reading God's word. That means going to Sunday school, Brother Willie. That means involving ourselves in Bible study with other believers. That means attending church. You know what the amazing thing is to me? The statistics are now that the average church attender considers themselves to be faithful attenders of church if they come 2.1 times per month. So in other words, if I only come half the time, I'm faithful. It's not about coming, because you can worship God anywhere. But if you're not coming, chances are you're probably not worshiping God in that moment either. That's just reality. I know what it was like when I was wishy-washy with what I was going to do with God. I'd go out on the boat. Man, it sure is beautiful out here. God did some amazing things. I'm glad he did it for me. But I wasn't honoring him in any way I did. So you've got to listen. And to listen, you have to put yourself under the teachings. And if you're not putting yourself under teachings, there's nothing to hear. And so your role as a part of God's production is to hear what he says. And if they had not heard, then they would have not been at all changed. Look at verse 22. They were amazed, what? At his teachings... For he was teaching them as one of having authority. They heard something that he was saying that was different than anything else they had heard, and they listened, and it made a difference. 
Listen, it makes a difference. Thirdly, you need to learn. Well, I've heard a lot of things that I didn't learn from. Brother Justin, I wish I had learned everything my dad tried to warn me about before I tried to do it myself. You know the old saying, if everybody else does it, if everybody else is going to jump off of the bridge, I did. (laughs) Why? Because I didn't learn from the lessons that I should have learned from. And young people, if you get nothing else at all out of this message, it's this. If you will hear the words of God and apply them to your lives, if you will be intent to learn what he says, it will change so much about what could happen in your life. How many things, how many of us would God have used to do so many more amazing things had we simply learned what he tried tried to teach us when he tried to teach us? I've talked to a lot of people in my years in ministry. I've never once heard somebody say, man, I sure wish I hadn't followed God so early. But what I have heard is, man, I sure wish I hadn't waited so long. The cast is us, and we need to follow. We need to listen. We need to learn. And then lastly, the audience is the world. You are in God's production You are in God's effort to share his message with the world around you. And that is the only reason you are still on earth. You are not here to enjoy the fruits of your labor. You're not here to play video games or to acquire things or to build houses or to have possessions. That is not why you're here. If you are here on this earth as a child of God and still breathing and still believing, it is because God has given you the opportunity to make an impact in someone else's life. And as long as there is breath in your body, that should be your sole focus and your sole goal and your sole desire. There is no retirement from the kingdom of God. Brother Ron, I'm sorry. You may not get a paycheck for what you do at work work, but you are not set free from all the obligations that God has given you as a child of God. You have been given the opportunity. Now, I don't know how many people took the chance to try out for the role of Forrest Gump, but I'll bet you everybody who didn't take that role sure wishes they had the royalty checks coming in now. And I don't know how many times I've failed to do what God asked me to do. But I sure would love to know that there weren't people in hell because I was disobedient. Because I didn't share when I should have shared. Because I was sinning in their presence when I should have been sharing. The audience is the world. And, and when you look at what happened here, Jesus calls out these men. They immediately go into Capernaum, into the synagogue where we've been, Miss Jerry. And he began teaching in that synagogue. And in the middle of this teaching, and a man with an unclean spirit cries out and says, What are you having? Why are you here? You are ruining everything. And Jesus says, Get out. And everybody around him were amazed. They were amazed at what happened when Jesus was present with his people in this moment. And one man's life was 
forever changed that day. When we listen to the director, when we follow his instructions, what always happens is God works in ways that we may never have expected and probably will never know, but he works in ways that bring glory to his name that you and I could never imagine. I told the story in Sunday school this morning. Sometime probably 2004, 2005, at Center Baptist Church in Four Points, North Carolina. Now, if you don't know where Four Points, North Carolina is, Fayetteville, North Carolina, where Fort Bragg is, is a suburb of Four Points. Not really. (laughs) Sitting in a little bitty country church in the middle of nowhere, on a Sunday morning with a bunch of men having breakfast, a young man walks in the door. He's probably, I don't know, 23, 24 years old, something like young guy. Two-year-old little boy. Maybe two, right, Deanna? He was young. He was still in diapers, wasn't he? Scott and Scott Jr. They came in, and he just was hungry. He wanted not only something to eat, but he was hungry for what the Lord is doing. He had just gotten out of prison, and he had accepted Christ while he was in prison. A little Scott and Scott and Big Scott became kind of a part of Deanna and I's life and ministry there for a few months. And then after a while, they moved back to um, New York, which is where he was from, where he'd gotten in trouble. Kind of lost track with Scott from time, for a while, and then Facebook come along, and he and I connected again. Scott's serving God faithfully. Scott's preaching in the prison that he was in, the gospel, faithfully. Little Scott's an Eagle Scout. And Scott received a letter last week. There's a man in prison that Scott decided he was going to sow into his life. And he began teaching and telling him and leading him in the Word of God. And it's impacted this man's life so much in prison that this man who is incarcerated right now began teaching one of the other inmates the things that Scott was teaching him. And so Scott would leave from his visit, and then he would go and find this guy and just relay the information and begin teaching him. And so this other inmate now writes a letter to Scott and tells him how much it means to him that Scott has able to, been able to help him because, Scott, because this inmate was being mentored by Scott. How does God do that? Are you not amazed by that? That God could take this young man who's messed up his life, who's done all these things he shouldn't have done, put him in the prison that he had previously been an inmate at, gave him the opportunity to preach and to teach, and not only that, now that person that he's teaching is teaching someone else, and God is at work, and now that's spreading all over the internet. I am amazed. And the world around us will be amazed when we follow the plan that God gives us. When we do what God asks us to do, the world will be amazed, but not only amazed. Look at this one man. There was a man in the synagogue, verse 23, in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. Miss Jerry, I have chills thinking that we stood there. 
where this man was. Saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Can't you just hear him? And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and coming out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. Now, we don't know what happened to that man after that moment, but we know at that moment that man was set free. He was changed. Something amazing happened. Because the director in his play has something in mind. And when everyone knows their roles, amazing things happen. The best part of the story is, this is not a one-act play. God is still at work among us. And we still can be used for His glory. God still desires for you and you and you and you and you and me, all of us. He still desires that we would hear Him, that we would listen, that we would learn, that we would follow Him, that we would do what He asks us to do because He still knows that there are people out there who are crying out and begging for somebody to do something. And so the director looks at us. And he has a demand. It's the same command that they give in the movie. Action. Get up and fulfill that which I've given you to do. With clarity with purpose, with conviction, and without apology. Because there is no other name under heaven given whereby men may be saved than Jesus. We get to share that. We've been given that mission. Father, call your church to action today. Put in our minds those people that we need to share the truth with, Help us, Father, that we would listen to you, that we would learn, that we would follow. Remind us, Father, to stay in our lane, to not chase after rabbits, to not go places we shouldn't be, but to only do those things that you call us to do. And, Lord, give us the passion to do it with all that we are, to not halfway, to not pretend, to not be ashamed, but to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. For you are worthy And we want to honor you with all that we are. So Lord, for those who've gathered here today, I pray that this morning as you challenge them and you call them to action, you would give them a clear understanding of what's next and what they should do and help them to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.